and that we will act on what we hear, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Good evening. It's great to see you guys. It's great to see you guys. <laughs> Stan said he thought maybe that people thought we got the Thursday night mixed up, so we may have a good crowd tomorrow night up here, but that is next week. But it is great to see you. How many of you, you know, women, I'm not expecting a lot of response, but how many of you like wrestling? Now, I'm from Tennessee. We have three, three ladies visiting tonight from Tennessee back here in the far corner. In Tennessee, we call it wrestling. It's R-A-S-S-L-I-N. Arkansas, Mississippi, they do too. In Louisiana, you're just as redneck. You do too, right? I looked it up in the dictionary, and the dictionary pronounces it R-E-S-L-U-L or something like that. But anyway, when I was growing up, I loved to, to wrestle, however you pronounce it. And I love to watch wrestling. Wrestling was a part of growing up uh, as a youth, as a young man in Tennessee. Studio wrestling out of Memphis, Tennessee. Jerry the King Lawler. Any of you familiar with him? Nice outfit. I'm wearing that Sunday morning, by the way. I like the cape. I think it's uh, dignified. Hulk Hogan. You remember Hulk Hogan? Hulk Hogan's still around. Uh, Tojo Yamamoto. Any of y'all ever heard of him? He was kind of a villain. This was, of course, 30 years after World War II, and he was the, the mean Asian warrior. I was so disappointed. A few years ago, I found out his real name is Frank Smith, and he's not from Tokyo. He was from Tupelo. <laughs> you know, the cool thing about being 8 and 10 years old is you think wrestling's real. You know that? And, the, and I think the great thing's going to be when you get to be 88, it becomes real again. Because my grandfather, my mother's father, who was a banker for years, the older he got, the more he got into TV wrestling. So I'm looking forward to that stage of my life when it will become a real thing again. We're in Matthew 26 and 27 tonight. And as we prepare for Easter, that's not far from around the corner, I want us to look tonight at wrestling with obedience, wrestling with obeying God. And if you have much gray hair spiritually, you can have you can be 20 and have some gray hair spiritually. You can be gray-haired or white-haired and not have any spiritual maturity on you. But if you have some spiritual maturity, you know everything I'm fixing to say tonight is, is absolutely true. One, because it's the Bible, but two, from experience. When it comes to obeying God in your life, it's a struggle. It really is a struggle. And I've never, I don't think in my life, preached a pure alliterative sermon that everything starts with a certain letter, but we're going to tonight. We're going to look at five S's with obeying God. And it begins with this. It begins with the struggle. Obeying God is a struggle at times. If you don't agree with this, again, you just stay with me and you live for Jesus a little bit longer and you will agree with everything that I'm going to be saying. You're looking at your Bible and you're trying to obey what the Bible says. It's not always easy. And then you have decisions to make. The Bible may not be clear on it, but God has a will or direction for you. And you're praying and you're trying to decide what to do. And man, to, to figure it out can be difficult, but then to do it can be very hard too. Jesus, God in the flesh, 100% man, 100% God, struggled here with the obedience with the Father. In verse 36, it says, Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. 
And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. We showed you this picture back in January. I want you to see it again, the Garden of Gethsemane, a beautiful spot in Israel. The word Gethsemane means uh, oil press, and what they believe that this was a place they pressed olives to get their oil. This set sits, even today, on the Mount of Olives, and you can stand on the Mount of Olives and look and see Jerusalem. In fact, you can see where the temple was, so Jesus had a great view there. Some people believe this may have been a private garden, and Jesus was friends with the person who owned it, so he had access to it, and he goes in there, and and he begins to pray, and boy, do, do things get serious quickly. If you look in verse 37 and 38, and he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He began to be heavy in spirit. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Jesus was dealing with an obedience issue following through with the will of the Father at this point. And he says, my soul, my very being, my life element is very sorrowful. That phrase means intensely sad. It means an overwhelming heaviness of spirit or burden. And Jesus says, I'm sorrowful to the point I feel like I could die. I mentioned this two months ago in a sermon. But another in Luke, it tells us he was sweating and his sweat was like drops of blood. Literally can be a medical condition from a disease or from intense uh, stress. Look in verse 39. And it says, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed. You notice that he fell on his face and he prayed. My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Cup in the Old Testament was a symbol of suffering. It was a figure for the judgment of God. And, and what Jesus is facing here, and this is tough, and, and people get uncomfortable sometimes just taking the Bible at face value. But Jesus was God, and he was man, and the humanity part of Jesus was looking what lied ahead. And he knew what lied ahead. The flogging, the beating, the desertion. The loneliness, the cross, the crucifixion, being deserted by the Father and the sins of the world placed on him. And he said, God, if we can go any other route but the route that you have laid out here, Father, let's do it. In other words, Jesus was struggling with obedience at this point. What about you? Everything I say tonight, I believe if you and I live much longer, it'll apply to us. Some of you right now tonight, God, if got something going on in your life, he's trying to get your attention and you're struggling with this. What is it? Maybe the information we'll share tonight, you're going to take it and share it with somebody else. Maybe it's somebody who's in a marriage they're wanting out of, but they're not supposed to get out of it. God's saying, stay and you want to leave. Maybe it's a dating relationship where you need to get out of it and your heart's saying no and God's saying leave. Maybe God's saying it's time to move from Ruston. I have another place for you, but your money, your home, your family are here and you just don't want to do it. Be just as bad. Maybe God's saying stay and you want to move. That can happen too, can't it? Maybe it has to do with your giving or your living or maybe God's calling some of you to be a foreign missionary or to leave your career and 
become a minister, God forbid. I know that would be a terrible thing. Not as bad as leprosy, but it's tough at times. I remember 1989, I was in seminary. 1989, I was two, but I was very mature academically. <laughs> it was an Old Testament class, and, and our professor, who was a pretty astute, serious professor, I mean, that's what he was born to be a professor. You know the type. We have them in our church. Wonderful people, but they were born to be a professor. Failing people is just part of life, you know. And it was Old Testament class, and this guy raises his hand. We're talking about Jonah. And this guy, I'm 25, and so I'm young, but this guy says, why did Jonah struggle? Why would anybody struggle with obeying God? When you know what God wants you to do, why would you struggle? And this serious professor giggled. I'm 25, and I'm going, are you kidding me? Are you really asking that? And most of the people in the class were kind of giggling. Let me just say this this evening. Obeying God is not for sissies. Following God is not for sissies. It's not always easy. In fact, it can be very difficult. If you don't believe me, read your Bible. Look at our story this evening. So what do we do? Here's our second word with an S tonight. We surrender. We surrender. Let me give you a thought or two. Make sure you're hearing God's voice. Sometimes we're surrendering to the wrong things. We're following the wrong path or the wrong voice. In verse 39, going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not I will, but what you will. The word prayer there is the idea of an inferior talking to a superior. In this story, as we will see more in a moment, Jesus was talking to the father but he was listening to the Father. It says he went out three times. Again, we'll, we'll read those in a moment. Probably an hour each time, best we can tell. And I figure Jesus was probably a lot better at listening to the Father instead of just talking. I talk better than I listen to God. But he had to make sure he was hearing God's voice. Are you hearing what God's trying to tell you in the Bible? Are you hearing what God's trying to tell you through his Holy Spirit? Maybe through a preacher, a Sunday school teacher, Bible study teacher. Maybe as you pray, but hear God's voice. Share honestly with God what you're feeling. When you're surrendering, be honest with God. Don't lie to him. He fell a little father. My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Look in verse 42. Again, the second time he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And then you go to verse 44. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same thing. Listen, when you're trying to figure out what God wants you to do, if you're confused, if you're scared, if you're afraid, if you don't want to do it, tell God. Remember, he knows anyway, correct? It helps you to process through that. Be honest with God what's going on in your mind and heart. And then you surrender. I won't read the verses again. But this started out powerfully. Jesus falls on his face. And again, this went on for an hour. And he prayed and he listened, no doubt. And then he said, God, whatever you want, I will do it. Three times. I think it took him those three 
to get to final resolution. Let me tell you what you got to ultimately do with God if you're going to follow God. You got to give up. You, you wrestle with God for a while, that's fine. He will tap you out eventually. He will submit you. The quicker you say, God, I give, the smarter you are. See, we think of surrender as a bad thing, don't we? True? 2008, the church gave Cindy and I a trip to Hawaii. I, I said this jokingly, but I really meant it. If we could have got our dogs over there, we would have never came back. We would have given our kids a post office box. We know they would have tried to track us down, but we could have evaded them in the islands. Beautiful, wonderful. But anyway, Cindy and I got to stand, and some of you have done this, on the deck where World War II ended. I know, Andy, you've been there. Neat, neat place. And, you know, and I thought about that even today, how that was a great place for America. It wasn't a great place for Japan. Because we think of surrender, you got a winner and a loser. Hey, listen, listen to this. When you surrender to God, God wins and you win. Isn't that great? When you and I surrender to God, when we say, God, I'm scared to death. I don't want to do it. I don't like what the Bible says here. God, I'm scared what you're telling me in my heart. But when I surrender to God, or you surrender to God, God wins and you win. See, surrendering to God is the way to victory. You're going to struggle, but you got to surrender. Here's our third word, and that's the word serenity. Are y'all impressed with my S's tonight? Serenity means peace. You struggle, you surrender, you get serenity. Look at verse 45 and 46. Then Jesus came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later. Those guys were real slackers on crucial night, weren't they? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's be going. See, my betrayer's at hand. Look in verse 50. Jesus said to him, friend, do what you've come to do. Saying this to Judas. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Do you see how cool Jesus is now? Man, he struggled, sweating like drops of blood falling on the ground, fell to his face, sorrowful to the point of wanting to die. And now, after wrestling with it in prayer and surrendering to God. Now it's like Jesus is going to an ice cream fellowship after church. He's going to his death. Man, I want to tell you, there is peace when you surrender to God. There is peace when you surrender to God. As I prepared this message, I'm sorry, I may uh, use myself several times tonight, but, but I guess this is personal. It's so personal. I, I think about uh, even when Cindy and I left our past church to come here. We loved it there. We did not want to leave there. Andy and the pulpit committee show up on a Mother's Day. No, no pulpit committee ever comes on Mother's Day, but First Baptist Rustin did. We should have known something was shady about him right then, shouldn't we? And we talked and we talked and, and I said, no, this is not where God wants us. We're staying in Texas. And so I was done with it. I was happy. Andy called me back and said, pray about it. And I gave him the spiritual answer. I'll pray about it. But I don't know. I was kind of half-hearted. And my friend Reggie, he was here a few weeks ago. I didn't tell you this while he was here because I didn't want you to kill him. He's the one who said, you better pray seriously. So I said, okay. And man, we struggled with it. Cindy was ready to come. I struggled with it, struggled with it, struggled with it. And finally, I said, God, we will come. And boy, the peace that passes all understanding comes when you surrender. Isn't that neat? That's what happened to Jesus. You're in that situation and you need to break up with that person if you're dating or that. Listen, that 
kid of yours, that grandkid of yours needs to hear this. You'll struggle with it. They got to surrender. Then there's peace. Or whatever it is that you're struggling with God and God's wanting you to do, if you will surrender to God, there comes a peace that you cannot imagine when you finally give up and you surrender. Well, I don't want to switch careers. I don't want to, I don't want to move. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to come out of retirement and have to do something for God. When you surrender and say you will, you'll be amazed at the peace that comes with it. Now, I want to give you a fourth letter, that a word that I think is extremely important and missed, and that's the word struggle. <laughs> what is that, preacher? You just used that. I did. Let me tell you, this is what you miss. It's what I miss. This is what they don't teach in seminary. A lot of times we end the sermon at, we struggle, we surrender, it's peace. Let's praise Jesus. Everything's wonderful. That is not the way it plays out most of the time. You struggle with obeying. You surrender. You obey. There's a peace. Everything's great. Now you've really ticked the devil off. Now you've really upset other people who may be trying to control you or don't want you to do what you're going to do. You've pushed yourself possibly out of a comfort zone. And you better believe when you start following God and obeying God, you have put a bullseye on your back. Are you hearing me? You need to hear this. This is so, so, so important. You don't believe me. Look in verse 66 through 68. Jesus had peace like a river, didn't he? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. What is your judgment, they answered. He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him and slapped him. And the verbiage is repeatedly. Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is that that struck you? How many of you agree the peace like the river just went down the river? Verse 27, chapter 27, verse 26. Then he released for them Barabbas, a real sweet Christian man, And having Jesus flogged, he delivered him to be crucified. That just hardly says, just had him scourged, spanked. I have to beat him to death. We're going to look at that more Sunday morning. Wait a second. All Jesus is doing is obeying God. I mean, he was in the peace, serenity now zone just a moment ago, right? Look in verse 27 through 31. The soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters They gathered the whole battalion before him, stripped him, and put a scarlet robe on him, twisted together a crown of thorns, probably about like that. And they put it on his head and put a reed in his hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they spit on him. They took the reed and they hit him on the head. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him, the slow, brutal death of being nailed to a cross. Wow. Do you notice how the scene changed here? You know, if you get nothing else from what I'm going to say to you tonight or 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 I'm going to say, I hope you hear this. This is where a lot of people quit with God. This is a mountain a lot of people never get past. You get saved, you live for God, boom, it gets terrible. You back off. A lot of people spend 40 years coming to this mountain and going backwards. Some of you are at that place right now. I mean, you know what God wants you to do. You try, go, it gets bad, you back off. 
don't be shocked at this. This is, this is the way of the jungle. This is the law of the land. This is how things play, play out. I'll go back to the dating uh, illustration again. A person breaks up with somebody they shouldn't be dating. That kid of yours or you or your grandkid, and you've encouraged it. You know it's wrong. And, man, they're happy and they're peaceful. And then a week later, they're lonely and they're sad. And that person's calling them every day, crying and pleading for them to come back. And then they're a good Christian, and they're going, I hurt that person. I hurt that person. Then they get right back in it again, don't they? Are you making a decision? You are going forward with God. You're going to follow him wherever he leads. And then he says, I want you to go halfway across the world. And you go, whoa, that's a great song. I just don't really want to do it. I remember years ago, I had a young man in Texas. I was discipling him. We, we were talking about tithing. And he started tithing to his church. He came to me a month later. He was mad at me. He goes, I started tithing and my finances are falling apart. I said, good, that means you're doing something right. I had two men in my first church. Both were, were older men. They became Christians, started living for Jesus. Everything was great, man. It was wonderful. And then about six months later, man, the devil just hit them and clipped them and knocked them down. And, and the people in their lives were not supportive. And both of them separately came to me and said, man, I wish I would have known how hard it is living for Jesus. I want to tell you this evening, folks. When you make a decision to follow Jesus, when you make a decision as a Christian to come back to Jesus, when you make some hard decisions to get the wrong people out of your life and to follow Christ, or, or you're going to move forward, whatever that means for you in your life, please know, don't be surprised, be braced. Have the armor of God on you. Satan is going to hit you hard. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get lonely. You're going to get confused. That's normal. You struggle. You surrender. You have serenity. And then you're going to struggle some more. Are you with me? This is so important. But if you stay the course, the last word is the great word, success. And I don't mean that in a worldly way. I mean that in a tremendous, positive, spiritual way. In chapter 28, verse 5 and 6, But the angel said to the woman, Don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where, they, where he had laid. Wow. <laughs> so here's what happens. Jesus struggles on Thursday night. Oh, my goodness, is this what I'm supposed to do? I don't really want to do this. He surrenders God. I'll do it. It's peace. It's serenity. Then the bottom falls out. He's beaten, spit on, cussed, flogged, almost whipped to death. Then he's nailed to a tree, and he dies. But he stayed true, and three days later, he comes booming out of the tomb. Wow. Wow. You think Jesus looked back on Sunday afternoon and, and regretted his decision Thursday night? You think 2,000 years later, Jesus looked back and go, you know what? It got pretty tough on Friday. I might not have should have done that. No, I think Jesus looks back and goes, you know what? It was really tough, but whatever price I had to pay, it was absolutely worth it. How many of you had some coach that used to say, there's no gain unless there's pain? How many of you had that? Yeah, whatever. It's easy when you're screaming at young kids to tell them that, isn't it? And you're drinking a Coke. 
I had a wonderful coach in high school, wonderful coach. And he'd be drinking juice. We'd be out there in Tennessee, it'd be 110 degrees. And he'd be going, boys, I just wish I wasn't having to run y'all like this. Yeah, makes two of us. But you know, it is true. You're not going to have a lot of gain without some pain. Aren't you glad Jesus struggled through it and stayed with it? What's in it for you? Well, one thing is just flat-out spiritual maturity. A lot of people never get to that. They quit. Every time they hit that wall, they go back, they lay down. Six months later, they get back on their feet, and then they get the challenge again, and they quit again. The joy and the effectiveness and the meaning and the influence of your life is going to be dependent on you obeying God, surrendering to God, and staying with it to the end. By the way, that's going to have a huge impact on your children, on your grandkids. I don't have grandkids, future, maybe. Great-grandkids, people you've never met. A generation that not even been born. See, we, we don't live on an island to ourselves. And when we make a decision to wrestle through that obedience and obey God and stay with it, or to back off, we, we can never, this side of heaven, estimate what's at stake. Galatians 6, 9 says it so well. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap, we will have the success if we don't give up. So I want to challenge you this evening. If you're in that that fourth stage of, of struggle tonight, you hang in there. If you're not in it, you'll be in it in the future. You hang in there. You make sure you're following God. Sometimes we struggle because we're out of God's will. Make sure you're in God's will and you hang in there. So what's God saying to you this evening? Maybe you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Christ. And man, I know, I know it's hard to give your life to Christ, especially if you're a little bit older. But before we leave this building, you need to do that tonight. You need to surrender to Jesus. I'll meet you at this door after church, or you can come in just a moment when we give an invitation, and you can give your life to Christ. Maybe you'd like to join our church. If God's leading you to, it's the right decision. You need to do it. You, you can't underestimate the results of it. You're a Christian, Maybe you're right where you need to be with God and you're being obedient. That's awesome. Keep it up. Just remember what I'm saying. You're, you're a week or two or six months away from a major crisis of obedience. Remember what we talked about tonight. Some of you, God's got his finger on you, his thumb on you. And you can wiggle and you can stay where you are, but it's never going to go well. Or you can say to God tonight, God, I'm going to surrender. And God, I'm going to keep my hand in yours and I'm going to stay with you through the struggle because I want to see the victory. Maybe you want to come tonight at the altar and surrender to God or let us pray with you. Maybe just where you're standing, you want to do that.
Let's stand. And as God leads you, you come as we sing. Merciful Savior, graciously be.